it's good to see you. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? I don't think I've seen you this year. It's it's I can't believe that the month of January is almost there and we haven't connected yet. Shameful. 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 The world is waiting for our insight and we have not got together. Well, also, I feel like, uh, first of all, congratulations on some great numbers. I mean, that's been very exciting. And I know for you probably and the team, like getting those great numbers means you kind of got to go back six months. But the scoreboard was terrific. What was it yesterday? Yeah. Best stock price in a decade for IBM. We know what's really gratifying about it for the marketing function, which isn't always true, especially in B2B marketing, is you can trace this very precise line between the marketing activities and the registrations and trials and demos, a lot of things we've been talking about, and the improvement in the conversion rate and the improvement in the yield rate and the improvement in the pipeline and the improvement to revenue and how that then drives the stock. And so it's an unusual moment where marketers feel this really concrete sense of accomplishment that doesn't always happen in B2B. Yeah, that's incredible to hear. And and what I also loved about what I read was that it was all about the future products. And so like the efforts were were not only terrific and the outcome terrific, but it was also all around the suite of products where you want to bet the future and where you see the market at large going. It is enormously helpful. I know every company has some version of this, but the size of IBM and the complexity means we often get lost in our history and our past. To be able to say we are an AI and hybrid cloud company. I'm stopping because there's nothing else. Incredible, incredible. And so imagine the power of that if you're working on brand, imagine the power of that if you're working on web, imagine of that for events. It's, we don't have to deliver in the past. We would have hundreds, literally hundreds of campaigns running. When we first met, that was our state. This year, we've got two AI and hybrid cloud. So life is a lot richer. I spent the last three days in your office with WPP working on IBM's e-commerce feature which almost feels like an oxymoron, IBM and e-commerce. But no, it's part of this future we're laid out for the world. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. I'm sad I missed you because I was here the last three days too, but I think we were on different floors in our WPP campus in the sky. But they were. Well, I mean, I know when we went on break, we had this idea of sort of tracking our best and worst experiences. And, you know, using that as a a lens to thinking about customer experience at large and what does customer experience mean? What can we learn from B2C that we can apply to B2B? Because obviously, you know, we're not going over our break and doing a bunch of B2B activities. Uh, Did you get a chance to do that? Are you ready to chat about that? I'm ready to chat about it. I was thinking about it a little bit over the break and then I forgot it. (laughs) <laughs> and then earlier in the week, we were discussing today and I said, yeah, I, I've got some. How about you? I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to roll. Best is easier than worst for me in this case. But why don't you go first? All right. I'll go first with best because I'm with you. Best is easiest. 
And I'm going to give you a personal experience, not not a consumer experience. But as the family has grown over the years with nieces and nephews and in-laws, how to have our holiday celebration has become increasingly complicated. Maybe you can relate to that. Other people probably can. Different religions, different locations, different holidays. So this goes back to when my mother was alive. Her feeling was it doesn't matter. What matters is family being together. We will pick a date. It's a little bit of Hanukkah. It's a little bit of Christmas. It's a little bit of New Year's. A date that we could all come together. We do that. It tends to fall between Christmas and New Year's. So we did it this year at my sister's house. And it's all those things. And the foods are all mixed in interesting ways and fun ways. And there's a little bit of Japanese influence because my Japanese brother-in-law. And there's a little bit of Canadian influence, which is a little less interesting from different relative and Caribbean because we have Caribbean family. So imagine all that getting bundled together. We had to decide how to give gifts. And a few years ago, we hit on this idea that this year we fully, fully embraced for the first time, which is instead of giving each other gifts, because there were too many people, it takes too long to give everyone a gift and they open and you all have to say, yay. We did a gift draft. Everyone brings three gifts. You don't wrap them. You put them in the middle of the living room where they sit in glorious, seductive piles and you can study throughout dinner and you draw out a hat of a number, number one through whatever it was, 17, and it's a draft. So when your number gets called, you get to look at all the gifts in the middle and you pick. You sit down for a while, you wait for the draft to come back to you and you pick. There's a sense of fun. Of course, you're choosing your gift, but there's also a sense of a little bit of competition. What did I put in and when will it get drafted? And I have to tell you the, the kicker for me. We put in a variety of things. I insisted with my wife that we were going to put in a lemon tree. A small lemon tree that you could keep in, in your house, given that it's the Northeast. She thought it was the most ridiculous idea. No one wants a lemon tree. <laughs> Half the people there are teenagers or kids. No one's going to draft your lemon tree. And I just said, I feel so inspired this year to put a lemon tree. And I don't, don't know the origin of that, really. Number three item picked in the draft by my 14-year-old wow. nephew. Take Congratulations. That. That's yeah. a real winner. <laughs> so I, I do think there's something to the experience about starting with the idea of the things that don't matter, the things that do matter. The time, the exact for us, what you call the holiday versus being together. How do you deal with the complexity of, oh, wow, 17 people all giving each other gifts, the, the multiples of that? How do you make it fun? How do you make it engaging? How do you gamify it a little bit? There was a lot in there that I loved. No, I love that. And and just so I'm super clear here, the gifts are not wrapped. So you know what you're picking, right? So, okay. Wow. The drama is someone walks around and picks up an item and you're saying, oh, I hope they go for that. Or you're thinking about drafting that next time. So there's a particular book that got picked two slots before me that was my only real heartbreak this year. Yeah, the 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 I, I like what you said about the the knitting together, the different elements, right? That that element of 
gamification, a little bit of competition, a little bit of, you know, camaraderie, a little bit of probably even, oh, I can't believe you picked that one when there was this one. That's uh, really cool. That's really cool. Something to be learned. What have you got? Well, I did a really special trip and I ended up in the Middle East and I spent a little bit of time also in Egypt and I spent five days on a double masted sailboat going down the Nile. And what was really incredible to me about this experience was that everything was thought about. So by that, I mean, when I boarded, I didn't really have to make any more decisions. So what I was having for dinner, I was asked, do you have any allergies? Do you and your family have any allergies? Are there any things that you don't like or do like? All of this was sort of done before I boarded the sailboat. And then at that point in time, dinner arrived. There was no like having to like look at the menu and then figure out. And then in terms of like breakfast, lunch, dinner, it all sort of worked that same way. In the mornings, we would have breakfast. After breakfast, uh, we would be told what our activity was for the day. So it was like, today we're going to go and look at mummified alligators and we're going to walk through a quarry that was used for the statues that were made in the temple of Karnak. And, and the boat would just sort of meander and then pull up next to the Nile and you'd get off and you'd go look at these things and get back on. Tea was served. There was no question of what kind of tea. It was like mint tea or a coffee. Snacks were brought up. And I say up because we were sort of sitting on this top deck. And that's sort of the way these, these boats work. There's a top deck where you can lounge and see everything going on. And then there's a bottom deck, which is where the, the cabins are. And I was, I was thinking to myself how much I enjoyed not having to make so many decisions. Mm -mm. And I also felt that like, I was like, well, what would this be like if you like were, I'm pretty particular. Like I'll be the kind of person who will be like, look, I know that spinach, I know the salad has romaine. Can you do it with spinach? Right. Like, right. Like I, I'm that person. And so, you know, what, what I was thinking about here was the importance of priming or setting expectations in advance. My expectation was set that it was sort of going to be this, this, this go with us experience. And, and, and then I was able to relax into it because you'd sort of managed my expectation and primed me for this type of experience. And so it made me think about like how we set expectations for customers and employees, how we help people to get into the right mindset before or during an experience. One of my friends, um, Rand Stegen, 
He has a, a, an alumni conference for, for this incredible community that he curates. And one of the things he does before the main speaker goes on is he has people do things like a deep breathing exercise. He has people do things like sentence stems where we're like, we go around in small circles and say things like what we're excited about or, or grateful for. Hmm. And then it sort of like creates this different energy that, that then enables a really special experience. And I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes I just rush into the meeting and I don't necessarily take a moment at the front end of that meeting to properly, we use words like set context, but there's setting context, but there's also setting a priming through managing or setting expectations, helping people get into the right frame of mind so that they could properly contribute their creativity or their full self. It's an interesting example. I'm juxtaposing what we both just covered and thinking about the priming theme. In other words, you talked about an example where I'm going on vacation because I'm primed for it. Yeah, I'm going to let go my particular style and I'm going to go with whatever is presented to me. And I'm talking about Actually, I'm going to lean more into this interactive gifting experience where I actually have to make lots of choices and play the game. And both of those work because you're primed for the experience that's going to come. That there's not a right or wrong answer, but there's a natural segmentation. That segmentation isn't just about, well, I like the activity and you like. In fact, maybe it's the inverse for us personality-wise. But in that moment, we were able to self-select the experience that mattered to us, be primed for what that experience was going to be, and then really engage it. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great a great build or or, or take or or insight from that experience. I, I will say one more thing that came to me as I was doing this, which was the idea of the last time. So, so, so doing an experience like going down the Nile, I was very cognizant to the truth of impermanence. Hmm. Like it was five days. I may never do that again in my life. And as a result of that, I was paying more attention. I had more presence of mind you know, I, I I swam in the Nile a few times and, and, and I was like, I'll probably never do this again. And there was something around recognizing the truth of impermanence that actually improved my ability to be not only present, but refreshed when I came back. And, and, and so, you know, and then I was thinking about why does it take me going to the Nile to have that idea of an impermanence mindset? You know, I came up the elevator in three World Trade Center today and I was like, how many times in my life am I going to do this? Right? Like we moved offices. I can't tell you the last time I took an elevator at 205th, right? Like that was a really special experience. That's over in my life. I will never 
work at Ogilvy at 205th again. And I took every day I went there for granted. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty cool that you had that Nile experience, but then how can I take that also to my daily living? And if I could be more present, you know, what, what is possible in terms of me as a creator or a partner or a collaborator to you and to others that I get the honor and privilege of working with? Taking it to a morbid, slightly morbid place, I met with an executive coach once who was telling a personal story. He was visiting his father. His father was in his 80s, as I recall. So his father was a certain age. And he said it was the first time in his life he realized, because I go visit my father annually or twice a year, something like that, I can now pretty clearly estimate how many more times I will see my father. It was a shocking moment for him to say it that way. It was sad on the one hand to think of that, but also that's exactly, he took it to a much more positive and uplifting and place that you're describing about being present, which is every, I have count the number 10 more of these gifts in my life. What am I going to do with them? And why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I have that attitude before I did this mathematical equation, I could have been doing that the last 50 years of my life. Yeah, no, that's right on. And the good news is that we figured this out where we are, because we could also be thinking about this when we're 85 and we got another, I don't know, five years to go or whatever. You've got a little bit more time. I'm still to count <laughs> the end. <laughs> and then I was thinking my worst experience, Ari, I got to tell you is, you know, air travel these days, it's just no matter how you cut it or how you do it or which way it goes, like it's just it just needs to be rethought. Like I I, I, I had just numerous examples of like friction and frustration and just like. I, I, I you know, I've, I've flown with all the alliances and I've done it in in all the different cabin classes and I. I got to tell you, it's just like a, there are so many opportunities. And yet at the same time, you know, I, I always wonder, like, why is it so challenging? Right. Like, is it is it is it is it because it's physical and digital and it's spanning, you know, assets that you own and assets that you have to operate in partnership with the local airport and you've got, you know, different workforces and some of them are contracted and some of them aren't and you've got, you know, delineation in terms of the different aircrafts you're using and like there's so many parts in an aircraft like why is it so hard it's a fascinating question because you do think with all the innovation and experiences why is that not almost at all other than a little bit faster line here at the airline industry i had this idea years ago it doesn't fix the whole airline industry but it's waiting in line frustrated at security could there be a group of people who just agreed, I will strip naked and take no bags with me? I'm just walking on the plane, just me, completely naked. And there are 150 of us willing to fly that way. <laughs> I just did away with security. I just said, <laughs> are we willing to radically rethink? Well, you know what I love about that? It's like... um when I did that uh, D school experience uh, at Stanford, like, you know, the, 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 I remember one of the principles of design was really like find 
extreme use cases. So like if a normal distribution has a bell curve, like how do you go all the way to the end or all the way to one of the ends of that bell curve? Because you have to find this like radically, because through these like radical end of the bell curve places and ideas, you can then get an insight that you can apply to the to the normal distribution piece of it. And I and I love that. I love that. Like, what if 150 people chose? I like that. All right. We'll have to pick that one up. Quickly, my experience falls in a similar category. Great experience. My daughter and I went to the theater. We went to Broadway. Her choice of show, she chose Hades Town. Oh, I want to see that. Time, third time she saw it. Oh, brilliant. Couldn't recommend it higher. It was my second time. We had the privilege of sitting in the front row. So actually, the experience was positive generally. But the guy next to me, my daughter and I don't need a lot of leg room. Not an issue for us. The guy next to me was probably 6'4", 250. And he was so happy. He was just leaning back, stretching his legs. And we got into a conversation. He was saying, I, just, I, was, I, I saw it for like Chicago a few weeks ago. And I almost died. <laughs> he said, this is the best feeling I've ever had at Broadway Show. I don't understand how you put so much effort into an experience on the stage and the performance and the cost of going as an audience member. And then you take this seat and make that experience so negative for part of your audience, for all of your audience to some extent, but for this person in particular who loves going to Broadway shows. It's a really strange dichotomy. Yeah, no, it's that that is fascinating. That is fascinating. I um yeah, that's it is it is one of those where I wonder I was I was one of Asha's classmates um is an owner of a Broadway theater. And I remember we did a Zoom to create community amongst the dads during uh, the pandemic. And of course, Broadway shut down. And, you know, he was sharing with this kind of group that was kind of, we were whatever, having a drink all on Zoom one evening uh, that, you know, the, that the economics, he was sharing a little bit of the economics of Broadway. And and so I, I wonder if there's like, Packing them in, packing them in to get to these economics. Like it's sort of like this. Clearly, the economics of packing cut across the airlines and the theaters. I get it with my analytics mindset. I get it in terms of formulaic answer. But I then go to where you were before, which is, are we sure that we can't expand the parameters of the formula. Yeah. If you constrain yourself to a problem that has to be solved by how many bodies can it get into it, this space times the price, of course that's the answer. I wonder if that's actually the question though. Right, right. No, I think you're absolutely right. What is that great quote that says, uh, problem well stated is half solved. That's what I'm reminded of. I'm reminded of that too. Maybe yeah. that's what we pick up next time, which is all right, let's go solve theater seating, airline, <laughs> and experiences, holiday, yeah, I mean, in law, gift giving, all of it. 
the 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 uh, great thing here, I think we've we've spent time talking, you know, mostly about consumer experiences. Although I think we've tried to draw some insights over to the world of B two B, but I think there's some fundamental truths around, you know. The idea of remembering that there's a journey, the idea of remembering that there's communications at different stages, the idea of remembering that there's different audiences, that those audiences resonate with different emotional connection to things. Uh, and then how do we knit something together that touches content and 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 the physical world and the digital world and in intersects with someone at the right moment in time where they're ready to interact uh, with our brand or our piece of content or our workshop or whatever it looks like. So great, 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 great. I like that. I take away two ideas. One, I do think the idea of priming, both for the positive experience, but also the kind of acceptance that all the airlines going to be like that. And so you kind of get through it. But then I like the juxtaposition with priming, but not settling. Right. Well, we're due for a catch up, my friend. So, so let's make that happen. And in the meantime, I wish you well and I hope you have a great day and weekend. You be well too and yeah, face to face soon.